my dad used to tell me, if you can't manage $5, you can't manage $5 million. So if you're looking to get started, make sure to look at your own personal income expenses before you start gravitating towards real estate. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Matt Druin. Matt, how are you doing today? Awesome, Theo. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for joining me today. Looking forward to our conversation. So a little bit about Matt. He is the partner at Oak Grove Companies and has 14 years of real estate experience. Oak Grove currently owns 117 units of residential and commercial properties. He is based in Rochester, New York, and you can learn more about his company at oakgrovecompanies.com. So Matt, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Yeah. So a little bit about my background is I started in real estate when I was 21, 22 years old. I really started by accident because I had graduated college and it was in 2006. There really wasn't a lot of companies out there looking to hire kids with liberal arts degrees with no experience at that point in time. So the best job I really could find was as a bank teller part-time at Chase Bank. And I lasted in that position for about two months. And I was just complaining to my dad constantly. He happened to be a real estate agent at the time. And he extended the opportunity to me to get your real estate license. I'll teach you the business. I'm not going to give you any business. I'm going to show you the ropes and you can build your own business with me as your mentor. So that's how I got started. And fast forwarding through there, I was not a great residential real estate agent. I really didn't have the work ethic at the time to build a business from scratch, but some things happened in terms of in my 20s is that I lost both my mother and father due to health reasons, and it really gave me being the heirs to their quote-unquote estate, looking up to my parents and seeing that they had nothing really when they passed away, and I saw them scrambling their entire life and trying to scroll enough money to put away for retirement. And also they really weren't as present as they would like to have been during my childhood. I remember a lot of times when I was in band or in chorus, looking out into the audience, looking for my parents to be there and they weren't there Not because they didn't want to be there. It's because they had work. My mother was a dialysis nurse. She worked oftentimes double shifts. My dad was working for Genesee Brewery during the day and he was showing houses at night and on weekends. And it really didn't hit me until those moments when I lost my parents when they were young and I was young that I really had to take charge of my life and put it in a different direction. And I wasn't about to participate in this system that Americans are sort of groomed into participating in, which is go to college, get in debt, work a full-time job, and then contribute to your 401k or IRA. So I started off with my first deal was a house hack. It was a four-family property. It was thanks to my dad. He was pushing me out of the house. I had some commission put away about 16,000 bucks that I had saved all of it because I was working part-time at a liquor store and I didn't have rent to pay to my dad, which I was very thankful for. <laughs> so I used that to purchase a four family owner occupied it. And really the magic moment was two weeks after closing, I magically had $1,800 in rent checks in my mailbox. And I realized how hard I had to work 
in order to earn $1,800 in real estate commissions. And I knew this was something that I had to scale and really could contribute to my dream of becoming financially independent by the time I turned 40. Well, I thought about this really ambitious goal every single day over a 13-year period. And by the time I was 33, I looked at my cash flow. I looked at the investments I had accumulated over that time. I know I'm like really glossing over a lot of the details here, but I realized that I'd hit that number. I didn't have to work as a realtor anymore. I had enough cash flow to not only support myself and my wife, but also to put away money too and grow the business. And I had this really painful process of reinventing myself that I had to go through because I had hit this goal that I thought about every single day and I didn't have something else in line with it. So I began investing a lot of myself a lot of self-help books, revisiting ones that I'd already read before and listening to guys like you and Joe Fairless and looking for new inspiration in my life and what my new target was going to be. And I decided that I wanted to get into larger types of real estate deals and do more transformative development projects. I'd always been envious of developers. So I put myself on the path to go in that direction and pretty much put myself back into real estate school and do development projects on my own behalf. And since then, myself and my partner, David Martin, who we teamed up two years ago with different backgrounds in real estate, but he was more on the operations side and leasing side. I was more on the sales side of things. And we started focusing on doing historic adaptive reuse projects where we take old vacant buildings and reposition them and breathe new life into them and reactivate them. And hopefully would benefit to all stakeholders, not just us, but our tenants, our neighbors, and the community at large. So that's really what we've been focusing on the past couple of years. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. RealEstateAccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. 
Matt, thank you so much for going in such great detail on your background. Definitely a couple of follow-up questions. One thing you mentioned that I don't think I've heard before. So you talked about how you set that financial independence goal to be achieved by the age of 40, and then you hit that number at 33. So most people, they think about that achieving financial independence, it's over, they're done, they've made it, it's a relief. Whereas you talked about how it was actually a challenge that you needed to reinvent yourself. Maybe walk us through that a little bit more because again, most people that haven't achieved financial independence might be kind of confused. (laughs) Yeah, I was thoroughly confused myself. I thought I would have a euphoria at that point in time. I think that one of the things is that, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Hobbit, but every single installment of that movie came out, I was anticipating it coming out. I saw it and a third movie came out and I saw that. And then I had the post-Hobbit blues. So this is kind of like what what I mean by that is that you think of something every single day. One of the people that American entrepreneurs that I looked up to is Ray Kroc, the person that we know of as founding the modern McDonald's as we know it. And he says, a man is what he thinks about every single day. So I really wasn't lining something else up for myself. And I struggled with the depression. I slipped back into old habits of alcoholism, stuff that I struggled with before because I was depressed. And I picked up a book called The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. And it really helped me think about the next chapter of my life and what I was going to do. So at that point in time, I did never wanted to go through that painful process of reinventing myself again. So I decided to pick a ridiculous goal and also one that is going to survive long past my death so that I don't have to actually revisit the scenario again. That's super interesting. That's a very unique take on the 10X rule. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Matt. So let's talk about the development deals with your business partner. So you reinvented yourself, you transitioned to developing old vacant buildings and revitalizing them, as you said. So once you've made the decision, you've gotten educated, how did you find your business partner? And then why did you choose to do that particular type of development? So first question is how I found my business partner is I was up to 117 units. I had a really cobbled together type of management structure. I was showing the apartments and commercial units on my own. I had some people that would help me with leasing. They were sort of ad hoc. I had a few different maintenance companies that was handling maintenance and it was too much. I couldn't focus on the growth. I was busy, but I wasn't really moving the needle forward. So I put an ad out there for a property management position. I had three final interviews set up. I brought in a friend of mine who's also a mentor of mine to give me a second pair of eyes on this because I was by myself. I needed a second set of eyes to kind of help me and mentor me through this really big deal, which was hiring a first employee. And after we got through those three interviews, he was like, you know what? All three of those people would probably be good. I'd favor one over the other. But if you really want to take your business from level one to level two, then you can hire any one of these people, right? If you want to take your business from level one to level five, I have somebody you should really talk to. They don't want a job. They are interested in the same things that you're doing. So let's get together for lunch and talk to them. So that's how I met David. And we sort of had this yin yang thing. He's very, very anal retentive, very, very focused on details. I'm more of like the cowboy and I've gotten myself in trouble a lot just by basically just making decisions from intuition and gut alone. So we had this sort of relationship on that level from different innate skill sets. And also he had interest in development and also he's also shares the same values that I do in terms of how we should value our tenant relationships 
and relationships with other people and how we should do business. So that's kind of how the marriage was kicked off. And then what was your second question, Theo? Why did you select the business model of developing old vacant homes as opposed oh. to say buying land and develop A-class apartments or something? Okay. I have always gravitated towards historic properties in Rochester, New York. This city was just absolutely booming around the turn of the century and also in the mid 1800s. So the architectural history and value in our city is just so immense. And frankly, I've just never had an attraction to just newer construction buildings. I want my buildings to look like pretty and old. I've traveled to Europe a lot, so I've really appreciated historic value. And because Rochester is a rust belt city, We've had an old manufacturing industry through Kodak and Bosch Lam and Xerox that sort of left. And we've been left with a lot of underutilized, undervalued assets that we can purchase for substantially less than replacement cost. So those are the two things behind those ones. So one of it's business related with purchasing at discount to replacement cost, but also secondly, is just innately just from our interest in old, pretty buildings. Okay, Matt, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever, this especially goes from people that are looking to get into the business is my dad used to tell me, if you can't manage $5, you can't manage $5 million. So if you're looking to get started, make sure to look at your own personal income expenses before you start gravitating towards real estate. A lot of people gravitate towards real estate investing because it's going to solve some type of problem for them, or it's going to be their salvation. So when I'm coaching and mentoring new investors, I always tell them to look at themselves first. Okay, Matt, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Perfect. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about RentReady because I'm guessing they have some services that you'll wish you had. RentReady is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With RentReady, you're able to collect rent online and get paid, find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service, and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All of this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at rentready.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at rentready.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Okay, Matt, what is the best ever book 
you recently read? Best ever book is Am I Being Too Subtle by Sam Zell is the one I most recently read. One that I always go back to, though, is The Snowball, which is the biography of Warren Buffett. If your business would have collapsed today, what would you do next? I'm obsessed with real estate. I would rebuild a business over again. No questions. Absolutely. Tell us about a time you lost money on a deal, how much money you lost, and then what lessons you learned. Oh, boy. Okay, so there was a nine-unit package of properties. It was three two-family houses right next door to each other, along with a three-family house. It was right on adjacent parcel. I purchased it with hard money, and I did a bunch of improvements in the property, and then I did a cash-out refi, and I basically had a... It wasn't a cash-out refi. It was called a cash-in refi. The value of the properties was less than what I had to get out of it, so I had to put in $110,000 worth of my own cash. What I had learned from that experience is I looked at this and evaluated it on a capitalization rate basis from an appraisal standpoint at the end of my value add strategy, instead of looking at it on sales comps on these properties. And that's where I got bit in the butt was I didn't do that. So that's what I would do differently is that, yeah, if you get a package of properties, even if they're all next door to each other, if they're on separate tax parcels, your appraiser is going to use sales comparables, not the income capitalization approach. And then on the flip side, tell us about the best ever deal you've done. The best ever deal I did was actually just most recently. It was an old office building that I purchased between three to four years ago. It was in a million dollar property. I raised $300,000 to purchase the property, 200,000 down payment, and then $100,000 in operating capital, as well as some smart capital improvements. And I was able to increase rents and normalize expenses over that three-year period. And I was able to increase the value from $1 million to $1.4 million. And I was able to cash out refi, pay my investors back. And now I have an asset that cash flows between forty dollars to $50,000 a year. And that pays for my daughter's future college education on one deal. And financially, that was a great deal. Secondly, it taught me the value of going bigger you've done a few deals, small multifamily, like where I started, think about commercial. I think it's a much better way to scale your business and your net worth and cash flow. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back is Rochester, New York. We've had a lot of booming real estate developments that have happened. They're very excited, but we still suffer from abject poverty, which really stems from the racial wealth gap. A lot of the nonprofits that I contribute to, not only my financial resources and time, are dedicated towards helping reverse the racial wealth gap through building generational wealth. And one of the best ways to do that is in real estate. So that's where a lot of my efforts are dedicated towards and giving back. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? Go to my website, oakgrovecompanies.com. That's O-A-K-G-R-O-V-E, companies.com. I'm on all social media platforms, so you can reach me really anywhere, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I even have a TikTok account now, so I'm everywhere. and You can reach me wherever. And also, I love to talk real estate. So if you're looking to talk shop or want me to be a sounding board, I'm happy to help. Reach out anytime. Perfect, Matt. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and providing us with your best ever advice, taking us from your journey from 21-year-old, recent college graduate, working as a bank teller to achieving your financial independence goal at 33, to having to reinvent yourself again and then transitioning into development type deals 
with the old vacant buildings in Rochester. I really liked your perspective on setting this goal that's so ridiculous that it's, it kind of goes past your death. So you don't ever get to that point where you have what you call the post-accomplishment blues from focusing on something every single day. And then that's your identity. And then once you've achieved that, then it's kind of like, well, now what am I supposed to do? And if there is no answer to that question, then as you mentioned, you kind of slip back in the old habits. I really like that perspective. We talked about how you found your business partner and how it actually started off by you attempting to hire someone else. And then your mentor helping you through the process said, hey, if you want to actually scale immensely, I have someone you can talk to and you realize that this individual and you had complementary skill sets. He was interested in development. And then you guys had these same values as well. We also talked about why you chose the old vacant historical buildings is because you've kind of always gravitated towards the historic buildings, really appreciate the architectural history in Rochester. And also from a money perspective, you're able to buy these types of properties below replacement costs in that area. Lastly, your best ever advice uh, saying from your dad, if you cannot manage $5, you cannot manage $5 million. And to making sure you have a grip on your personal expenses first before you start managing large dollar amounts, especially managing large dollar amounts for other people. So Matt, thank you so much again for joining us. Best ever listeners as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to you.